1971 was a tumultuous time in the history of Wilmington. Racial strife over court-ordered school desegregation, which came to Wilmington in the late 1960s, was at its peak. Which is kind of crazy if you think about it, that it wasn't until a little over 50 years ago that schools in New Hanover County were integrated. I'm 50 years old. Both of my parents went to segregated schools in Wilmington when they graduated high school in the early 1960s. That's the story for another podcast, however, because today we're going to talk about one of the more mysterious incidents that come out of those troubled times. May 17th marks the 50th anniversary of the fire that destroyed Hemingway Hall in downtown Wilmington. This is Cape Fear on Earth, the podcast exploring the legends, historical oddities, and landmark stories of southeastern North Carolina. I'm your host, John Staten, and I'm a reporter with the Star News here in Wilmington. We're a Gannett paper that's part of the USA Today Network. Hemingway Hall had been the headquarters of the New Hanover County Board of Education since 1961 when it burned. But before that, it was known as Hemingway School. Built in 1915, it served as a school for white students for more than four decades during a time of racial segregation. The school building was located on North Fifth Avenue in downtown Wilmington at the corner of Chestnut Street. There's a really nice park there today called Bicentennial Park. I've played basketball there many, many times. It's got a playground, uh, lots and lots of green space. Um, as part of the coverage of this 50th anniversary, I talked to a lot of longtime Wilmington locals who remember going to school there. There's a Wilmington man named Jimmy Statius who told me he went to school there in the, late, in the mid to late 1950s. And one of his memories is of getting in trouble for jumping down these big, large, wide steps that were the entrance to the building. Um, Elaine Henson is a former teacher in New Hanover County Schools, um, who's also a local historian. She went to Hemingway in the 1950s as well. Um, she remembers playing a game on the playground called Crack the Whip, which sounds both fun and kind of dangerous. You'd get a long line of kids, they'd hold hands and run around, and uh, one, uh, I guess the leader of the line would jerk one way or the other, and then the person at the end of the line would go, you know, flying off. So, you know, good times back in the 1950s. Um, several people I talked to told me that the playgrounds at the school were separated by uh, gender because girls were on the 5th Street side of the playground and the boys had to stay on the 6th Street side. So that's, um, I guess, kind of how things were in Wilmington back in the 1950s. Um, a couple of names kept coming up. Uh, one was Sue Boone, who was a longtime principal at Hemingway School. A lot of people remembered her. And a lot of people also remembered a teacher named Appy Daniel, who was legendarily strict. Um, but a good teacher, and uh, she taught at Hemingway and later at Forest Hills. She had a twin sister named Annie Daniel, who was also a teacher. Um, Appy Daniel died, didn't, well, she died in 2019, she was 103. Um, Annie Daniel uh, still lives in Wilmington. So by 1961, the building had become the Board of Education headquarters in uh, New Hanover County. Then 10 years later, it burned in a massive fire that destroyed nearly everything in the building, including school records dating back to the, to the 1890s. Um, if you read news accounts of the day, people say you can see flames glowing from blocks and blocks away. You know, it was a huge deal in Wilmington at the time. Um, I talked to the folks at New Hanover County Schools in Wilmington. Um, today, they still run into cases of missing records from that fire. Um, again, early 1971, period of great unrest in Wilmington. Uh, in February of that year, there were multiple fires. 
including some that later resulted in the conviction of nine black men and one white woman who would become known as the Wilmington Ten. Their convictions, of course, were later overturned um, in court uh, years later, and they all received pardons from North Carolina Governor Beverly Perdue in 2013, uh, but not before many of the Ten spent time in prison. Also active at the time was a white supremacist group called the Rice and White People. Um, they were upset over school integration. So you had all this going on at the time. Um, this is the backdrop um, was what was happening when Hemingway burned down. Although, interestingly, the fire didn't occur at the height of the strife, you know, which is really in February of 71, but it was about three months later um, the, that um, the fire happened and the building burned. It's always been deemed suspicious, but to this day, no one has been charged with setting it. Uh, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, a central figure in all of this was Hayward Bellamy, who was the school superintendent during this difficult time. Bellamy died in 2014, but not before writing a memoir detailing what went on behind the scenes with him and local officials at the time of the fire. Bellamy's daughter, Mary Louise Bellamy, still lives in Wilmington, and she was a teenager in high school at the time of the fire. She remembers a lot about those days and was kind enough to sit down with me and talk about her father and the legacy of the fire that burned Hemingway Hall. Okay, so I am here in downtown Wilmington with Mary Louise Bellamy. Mary Louise Bellamy is the daughter of Hayward Bellamy, who was the superintendent of New Hanover County Schools from about 1968 to 1981. Mary Louise, thank you so much for uh, being on Cape Fear on Earth. Oh, you're welcome. Well, tell me a little bit about your dad. What kind of man was he? He was a uh, he was really well known person during um, you know, his time in Wilmington. Oh well, let's see. Um... He was the first, he grew up on a tobacco farm wow. in South Carolina uh, during the Depression. And I think that says a lot. Uh, they moved to Wilmington in 1935. His dad started a grocery store um, up on 11th and Fanning Streets. Wow. Um, yeah. It's up near where Dreams Academy is today. It is. Yeah. It is. But um, <clears throat> dad went into the Air Force for World War II, and then he went um, to college on the GI Bill. At that time, he was the first and only person in his family to go to college. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that when we did the interview for this story, I think that um, he had, so he ended up with three college degrees, right? A master's, a bachelor's, and, uh, and he got his doctorate in, in uh, education. At Chapel Hill. Wow, yeah. okay. And then, so tell me a little bit about um, what do you remember from, so, on the time that Hemingway Hall burned down, that was 1971, he'd been superintendent for about three years at that point. 1968. Yeah, so what was the environment? I mean, there has been, I know that after Martin Luther King was assassinated in 68, there was, you know, some unrest, there was fires, um, and then really the years, even earlier that year, I think the Hemingway Hall burned down in May, in like February of that year, there is a lot of you know racial unrest and strife in Wilmington a lot of it um, kind of stemming from integration which the courts had ordered at that time so right. kind of take me back you know you were a teenager then take me back to kind of what it was like you know the environment in Wilmington at that time. Well, in 1968 when dad became superintendent I was at Chestnut Yep. And um, That's uh, Chestnut Street School which yes. is now where Annie Snipes uh, Academy is. Right, it's great school um, 
Chestnut was a great school. But um, I was 13, and I remember people saying, is that your father? Yeah. Oh, that's great. And um, I went through ninth grade. You know, we all got along. I was yeah. concerned with being an adolescent and getting good grades. Yeah, yeah. And then 10th um, grade, I went to Hogger. So I, I left my friend group in a lot of ways. Okay. Which was unusual. Yeah. And then what, um, and you said that, and I remember in the book that your father wrote, and I think you even told me that, you know, you would, that, like, the family would get threats sometimes over, um, I think you kind of said that your kind of dad got it from both sides, because, um, to give people a little context, when I think Williston, I think it was changed to a junior high school in 68, so I guess in the eyes of some people, it was really closed as a high school, which it was, um, so some in the black community were upset about that, that your dad, I guess they saw your dad as the villain for closing Williston. And then on the other side, we had people, you know, with white supremacist groups like the rights of white people who were very upset that he was kind of enforcing this um, integration mandate that had been handed down by the court. So you guys got um, threats from both sides, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you didn't know who they were coming from sometimes, but I know that you had, you had told me that the family had been threatened with, you know, violence, you know, fire, all kind of stuff. Well, um, I think there was a lot that happened that Dad never told us about. Yeah. Because he didn't want to worry us. Um, I was in 10th grade, this was in fall of 1970, I was trying to go to school and make yeah. good grades. I was yeah. a hopper. Yeah. And um, I thought things were going fine. Then, in late January, there was... There were outsiders came to town, Dad said. Yeah. But one night, Dad came home, and um, I was doing my homework, and I said, it was early, I said, hi, Daddy. He said, hi, which is not uh, normal. Right. He normally smile. Right, so right, said, right. And I knew something was up. So he went upstairs, where's your mom? And um, he came back down, and Mom said, we can't stay here tonight. They're threatening to burn our house and the houses of all the board members, and we have to stay somewhere else. All the school board members, yeah. Right. So Dad said, what are you having for dinner? And he would have said supper. And Mom said, I have a roast in the oven. Dad said, turn it off. Don't even bother to take it out. And um, anyway, we packed up. He called his sister, my Aunt Sarah. And he yeah. said, Sarah's Esther. Yeah. Ended up to be about three months. Okay. Yeah, that... And I think that week was when my dad decided to send me out of the county yeah. to go to school. Um, so that night, we were at Sarah's, and um, on our way there, we stopped to eat at Lum's. It was like the precursor of Artie's. Yeah, it was like Lum's roast beef. It really? was like a chain, right? Yeah. Out of scale, good roast okay. beef, and it was yeah. affordable. Yeah. So we ate there. And there were like three people besides us. Okay. And then the next morning, I found out Lums had been firebombed as soon as we left. Wow. And um, my mother said that was the first time she ever started to get upset. She realized they, they can burn, they can kill people. Yeah, and so basically, this was the environment that, that Wilmington was at the time when, um, you know, this is in early 1971. Um, I think you had said that, I think you told me at one point in one of our interviews that, you know, you would watch Vietnam on the TV and then, you know, you see like the local news and it kind of looked the same. There's just a lot of upset people. Exactly. Um, 
So basically, this is, I'm sorry, go ahead. People shooting guns yeah. and then hiding to keep from being shot. And at one point I said, Mama, this is like war. And um, she quoted me to other people. And, yeah. and it was like, yeah, this is, I mean, it's obvious, just look at the TV. Yeah, well, and so that's, and so that's by way of illustrating that this was the environment that Wilmington was in at that time. So in May of 1971, and I've read in your dad's book, um, he got a call, I think it was a Sunday night, got a call late at night from the fire chief, you need to get down here. Um, and the uh, Hemingway Hall, which was the former Hemingway School, which was, I think, built in 1915, and uh, that was a, and that was a, and it was on fire and it, and it, and it ultimately burned down. So um, what is, I think you had told me that you would go visit your dad in the office at Hemingway. Yeah. They had a TV studio and they were, recording shows for educational television yeah. and um, my later music teacher, Nancy Hardacre McAllister, I remember seeing her there one time with her trombone and she was uh -huh. recording. Uh -huh. She was recording um, a show for educational television. Wow. Um, it, it, there, was, there was just a sense that a lot of interest and fun things were happening there. Yeah, and it was a, well, there's a park there now called Bicentennial Park, is it 5th and Chestnut, kind of on uh, Chestnut between 5th and 6th, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, and it was, it was a big building, I think some people have told me that it looked like Tileston School a little bit, kind of that kind of red brick and kind of the white wooden trim, um, it was built a little later than Tileston, obviously, about maybe 40, 50 years after Tileston, but um, yeah, so it burned down, that was a huge deal. And then uh, I think after going back and forth for about, uh, I think the official line at the time, as you've told me, and as you, on the record shows, was that, you know, we don't know why it, why it burned down. We don't know why it caught fire. It just caught fire and burned, and it's an old building. Um, and that kind of, and then it kind of just um, seemed like it just kind of faded away, right? I mean, after, you know, I would say a few months after it burned, you don't find much in the news about it. It's just was kind of forgotten about with that. Yeah, that's what I remember too. Until I read my dad's book, and um, do you want me to read it? Well, and this. Tell you. Well, this is, and to me, this is the fascinating part about the fascinating part of this story is because it's about this fire. We still don't know to this day. I mean, yep. there, there's no, there's plenty of theories, but we don't know. And you know, it's, it's only 50 years ago. So if it was in fact arson, which we'll get to that, but anyone who was involved could very well be alive today. Um, but, so yeah, no, why don't you tell me what you read, because I thought this was just stunning, um, especially given the explanations at the time from the police chief, uh, Williamson, was that we just, we don't know, we're at a dead end. Right, um, let's see. Dad said while it was burning that the fire department chief um, came there and he said, I can't save the whole building, but if there's one part you're particularly yeah. concerned about. Yeah. Um, let me know. And Dad said, said the southwest corner had the records, but he, the fire department was not able to save any of it. There was very little, from what I read, very little that was saved. I mean, almost nothing, from what I understand. I think we have a couple of bricks in this. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because the door stops. Yeah, Dad said, um, he did not, I did not know about this until I read Dad's book, and I don't think. I'm not sure anybody yeah. else knew about it except my mom. I visited Hemingway's site with Chief Williamson and he showed me where and how the arsonists had entered the building. And uh, Chief said, 
what are we going to do about this dock? And I told them, as far as I'm concerned, we aren't going to do anything because somebody's waiting out there for us to give them a lot of publicity about burning down Hemingway Hall. There'll be some wannabes, and let's not give them the satisfaction besides the folks that had enough trouble thrust upon them already. As far as I'm concerned, we had fire start in a building that was a fire trap. And the chief said, thank you, that's what I was going to suggest. Yeah, so basically it sounds like, according to your dad's book, that him and uh, Police Chief Williamson just talked about it and said, you know what, we're not going to investigate this anymore. Um, I know it had been investigated, but there was, F there was SBI there, I think there was FBI there, there was uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms there. Um, apparently they didn't find anything. And we should also know that no one was hurt in this fire, no one was killed. I think that probably made hit. you know, he wouldn't have been able to make that decision if someone had been injured, right? Absolutely, but I think you're right. Do you think, what do you, do you think that looking back, you know, because to me it's, um, I think it would have been, people would have been shocked if they had found out even a year later or a few months later um, that that's how this decision was made. But, um, well, first of all, you know, why do you think he did that and do you think he made the right decision? Um, yes, I think he made the right decision. He and Chief Williamson um, made it together. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was terrifying um, when I was here. When they were gonna um, burn our house, threatening to burn our house, um, that night I was in Aunt Sarah's. My dad and my uncle went to hide our cars because they were afraid somebody would find us there. Wow. And endanger us there. So that night I slept on the sofa and I would wake up in the middle of the night and just all of a sudden I wouldn't remember what's going on. And I would listen in the house and outside the house. And so my heart would start beating. Yeah. But I basically, next. No, let's make this go away. It's been enough trouble. Mm -hmm. And maybe if we don't follow up and point the finger at one group or another, this will all die down. And I guess he was right. I think he did the right thing um, <clears throat> because buildings were burned that night. And it, yeah. was, it was scary. I mean, I was afraid our house would be burned. Why do you think he wrote. Why do you think he, you know. Um, your dad died in 2013, 2014? Uh, December 2014. Yeah, and then this book was written about 2010, 2009? Um, 2009. Yeah, so he was in his 80s. Why do you think he decided to um, write this? Um, Instead of just, you know, never saying anything about it? I think it was... Uh, dad taught science. Yeah. And he wanted the facts to be out there. Yeah. And um, he was concerned about history. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think he had decided that it didn't matter at this point because it had been so long. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, and, you know, we can talk about the different theories. I don't know if you have a theory as, as to what happened, um, but clearly your dad and the police chief thought it was arson. You know, one theory I've heard is that, you know, I mean, there was a lot of black activists at the time. You know, the Wilmington 10 ended up going to jail for stuff that happened that year, mm -hmm. were later pardoned by North Carolina Governor Beverly Perdue. Um, your dad writes in his book that he had heard that, you know, Ben Chavis and people like that were bringing in people who were, you know, who knew how to firebomb buildings. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. On the other side, you've got the rights of white people, which is a white supremacist group who was very upset about integration. So there's, I mean, I've heard the theory, you know, maybe they did it to kind of make it look like um, 
you know, maybe the black activist would be blamed. I guess it could be, who knows, it could have been just a random person. But, um, you know, I've not heard any really credible theory as to who, you know, who this might have been. I have not either. Yeah. And if Dad didn't say so here. Yeah, he really did it. He probably did not know either. Yeah, and probably didn't want to know. <laughs> you know, and that's the and the, and that's the amazing thing is you go back and read the Star News of the day. You have Chief Chief Williamson in there saying, you know what, this is probably going to I'll remain a mystery forever. And uh, he was turns right. out he was right. <laughs> he was right. Well, Ms. Bellamy, I really appreciate your time and uh, talking to me about this. I know this is a difficult time for you and your family, but um, you know it is part of Wilmington history. And uh, that's what we try to explore here on Cape Fear on Earth. So I really appreciate your time. Take the time to talk to me about this. Oh, you're welcome. And that's it for this episode of Cape Fear Unearthed and our look at the fire that destroyed Hemingway Hall back in 1971. We'll be back soon with another chapter of Wilmington history. Till then, make sure you're a member of our Facebook group where listeners can ask questions about our episodes and share their own memories of the region's history. In that group, I post extra content from each episode and links to all my coverage of local history for the Star News. You can find that group by searching Cape Fear Unearthed on Facebook. And don't forget to sign up for the Cape Fear Unearthed newsletter that goes out every Thursday. Sign up for the newsletter at starnewsonline.com slash newsletters. Cape Fear on Earth was written, edited, and hosted by yours truly, John Staten. You can find more of my work at starnewsonline.com. Additional editing is done by Adam Fish. This podcast was made possible by listeners and readers like you. Support local journalism and Cape Fear on Earth by subscribing to the Star News today at starnewsonline.com slash subscribe. And while you're subscribing to things, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream this show so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a review, which will help more people find Cape Fear on Earth. Till then, get out and explore the Cape Fear region on your own. You never know what you might unearth.